Now, we must define this. If you are angry without a cause, praise God. And you know about times you are falling into that. We've got angry without being able to define the reason we are angry with that fellow. And every time we do such thing, we are bringing ourselves to judgment. We are angry with our spouses. We are angry with our children. We are angry with our colleagues. And sometimes when people ask you, why are you, oh, you can't explain it. Because it's been part of you to get angry. I mean, I've seen people who say that my weakness is I, I snap. Snapping means little thing gets you angry. I told a story when I was doing this uh, last year in a previous parish that a guy was riding and then somebody maybe just hit him lightly. And so he parked. He came down for his car, beautiful car. And he started to rave. He was ranting and talking. People were saying, Otito, Otito. He didn't. And then after he had done all to return to his car, the car has locked itself. The engine was running. And so he got to the door. He pulled it. He couldn't open. He became a subject of ridicule. Those who were begging him before to leave the other guy, they were not laughing. Eventually, after 30 minutes, they helped him to look for, uh, for uh, Panebita to come and open. He, he left the place ashamed. He would have saved himself or just driving off. Praise God. And more, something of more consequence would have happened to him because he couldn't control his anger. Now the scripture is saying to us, when you are angry with someone, you are subjecting yourself to judgments. Okay, what does it mean then if people annoy me. Because we have some individuals that it's become their stock in trade to get other people angry. What should you do with them? Ignore. Praise God. I was going out with my wife some time ago. Um, I think there was an event, church event we were going for around Igodo. And so we were taking shortcut because the main road was very busy. And so there was this car in front of us driven by a woman and the man sat beside her. They were gisting. And there was no car in front of them. So I was pressing the horn. They slowed down the ball. So we followed. And I was looking at time. And then we got to a point where there was space on this side. So I overtook them. And then I got to the main road. When we got to the main road, uh, to take a detour, in front of the NMPC, we had to slow down. Do you know the man that sat beside the woman came down to come and meet me? And he was telling me that I'm stupid and crazy and foolish. I was just smiling. I was just smiling. As he was going, he was ranting. I was just smiling. Then, when I was talking about somebody, he said, that smile I was smiling is very dangerous, though. Because the man can get angrier and hurt me. I said, then, he will now get to the public opinion court. They will not be the judge. Because I didn't do anything. It was government road. It was free for me to overtake after he had held me like five minutes. And then he came down to say all sorts of things to me. But you know, if we were to be before, 
I would have spoken. I would have come down to ask him, what is his problem? Did I hit your car? Did I speak to you? But I have known better. So I was just smiling. I can't remember the face of the man again. But I would have offended God if I had spoken. And God won't forget. Praise God. That's why it's important for us to have control over our emotions. When you understand that you should not get angry. Um, a book I read in secondary school. Um, I, I don't know whether it's uh, a forum. One of the books we read for our egg. One of the adage that was said there says that count your teeth with your tongue before you speak. You know what that does for you? It makes you to drowse your emotions. In modern time, they tell you to take a deep breath when you are hungry. And this is literally, I mean, it's not, it's not figurative. If you are angry, and I'm saying to you today, it's a therapy. When you are angry, take a deep breath. Breathe in and out. You will forget the nasty thing you want to say. And you will have become a good person. So you must understand when the scripture say, when Jesus said, if you call anybody, I mean, if you are angry with anyone, you have brought yourself to judgment. So Jesus is saying, the reason why he's telling us not to be angry, not to call people idiots, not to call, in King James Version, he say raka. You know how many times when you are driving, and, and I got to know that when I am driving and somebody spread fingers at me, what is he saying to me? He's showing that he has five fingers. That's what he's showing. Maybe I'd assume that one of the fingers had been cut off by accident. But you see, when you don't get your mind trained to that level, you will say he's calling me stupid, foolish. When he says raka, raka means you are foolish. But when you interpret it differently, the man is showing me that he has five fingers. I will not be offended. I've said to you before, Psalm 119 verse 165 says, Great peace are they that love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. Nothing. Because they love the law of God. No matter what anybody says to them, they won't be offended. They insult them. They call them names. Like I had explained to us previously, that when you are angry, that the distance that anger creates between two people who are seated together. When you are angry with someone, you raise your voice. Because... There is a distance that emotion are created. So you are talking to the person seated with you, like the person is far away. And you are raising your voice. And people around may be wondering, but he's talking to the person next. But you have gone to another realm. So Jesus is saying, don't get angry. Don't call anybody stupid. Don't call anybody foolish. Without a cause. Praise God. He said, the reason why I'm saying to you that you should not do this is because words kill. We've seen people committed suicide because they spoke to them badly. Or somebody told them that they are good for nothing. Some parents who are very careless, 
when they are raising their children, and one seems to be maybe is gifted in sakumoto, not cognitive. And so you are not be able to identify that this guy may not be able to know book like the other one, but he's good in other areas. And so every time you keep blaming them. One thing I have not done is that no matter what position my children bring back from school, I have never condemned them. Praise God. I'm not going to tell them that with all the school fees and pain, this is what you have brought. Even when they have challenge in Yoruba subjects. Because that's the, the difficult one for them. Is to encourage them to do their best to get better. But we see parents who talk down on their children, who say when they are angry, never to do well, who say to them, coconut yet, they call all kinds of things. You will need to repent so that you won't go to hell for saying such things. Praise God. To you, you say, I didn't mean it, but God counts it very serious. In Ecclesiastes 5, the Bible says that if you say there is an angel on the road, whereas there is no angel, he said that why should you destroy yourself by telling a lie? Okay, he said, uh, for those people who are from Malaysia, they said it is uh, cursing, it's like you are singing song. But you are not a believer. Second Corinthians 5.17 is the reason why we will not allow you to misbehave because you are brought up wrongly. Praise God. Like people will say that, oh, they have gift of dream. But they have never dreamt of people who become prosperous. They have not dreamt of people who are barren and then they conceive and they have three children. But they always have a dream of somebody enter moto and die. Oh, they are traveling. There was an accident. You should query such gifts. Oh, they will say to, my dream comes to pass. So, so I ask them, have you ever dreamt that somebody who was poor become rich? They won't be able to tell you. It means the devil is using them to propagate his own gospel. Because the gift of God does not bring condemnation and judgment. So we must create a balance. So as a Christian, you must know that the word that you speak are important. Don't speak to people to feel small. That they look at themselves and they worry. Am I a human being? We have people working with us and working for us. When we used to have house help, they eat what we eat. When they come, they will come with their oversized dresses. We will change it. And some of them are like my wife's size. So it's very easy for them to take our clothes and wear. When we add one that I trained in workers in training in our parish, I made her to join the choir. Praise God. Because I didn't see, he was, a senior colleague said to me one day, we were talking in the office and we were looking at, we just moved the factory to a new location. I was looking around to see what is in place and what is not. And we found out the cloakroom was not in good shape and uh, some other things. And then he, he made a statement to me and said, Wale, you know, the mother who gave birth to these factory workers could have given birth to you. And you'd be like him. I mean, like them. If the table turns, they would have been like you. And I had a new thinking about relating with them. The fact that they are factory workers does not make them less human. It's just time and chance. Time and chance. You could have been like them. 
And so you don't talk to them. In fact, I had a colleague working with me. He got angry because one of them, they didn't pay him a day or two that he came to work. The money is very small. So the guy went to meet him and said, Oh, I got my, I got a lot yesterday, but it's less than what I should collect. And then he tried to explain to him that the reason is because he didn't clock in. So he went again. The guy came back and he shouted at him. He was in my office, so someone came to tell me, Oh, this guy shouted on this. I sent for him and I told him to go to the factory and go and apologize to the factory worker. So you know a better human being? That guy can become something better in life. Do you know, at once was a bus conductor. If I don't tell you, you will not know. If someone had embarrassed me at that time, can the person talk to me like this again? Mr. Walioke said, when he was growing up, he was a house help in Ibadan from the village. And he was making, contributing money to, uh, to, to do GC. So the uncle was collecting money. So when he calculated, the money should have been enough. So he went back and said, uncle, the money. He said, ah, I, I don't spend, spend the money. He went. So he went back to continue as help. And he was able to raise money. And then he went to do GC. Eventually, he got admitted to Unilag. He read estate management. He finished and got called into the ministry. When he wanted to start television ministry in Ibadan, the broadcasting station requested that he should come to sign some paper. So he went with his team. On the day he showed up, the chairman of the corporation was around. So the GM said, oh, the chairman is around and he wants you to pray for him. And so the old man came. When he saw him, he knew, I know this person. So the chairman knelt down. He laid hand on him. That was the husband of the woman he did ourselves with the last time. Praise God. The man didn't know him again. The husband of his mistress knelt down. He laid hands on him. I tell you, people of God, nobody can define how far a man will go except God. That's why Jesus is saying, don't call no man foolish. Don't call nobody idiots. When you do that, because words can kill. People have died because people spoke to them. And they felt small. They felt they cannot be better ever. Do you think God will pardon the people who spoke wrongly to them? No. That's why it's important that we should understand that what we say is very important. It's much more than carrying knife. If you show up to me and you carry knife, I can dodge. I can escape and run. But when you use your tongue, like James said in James chapter 3, that is the smallest part of our body, but it's a raging fire. It can tear down a whole nation. The same way, when you talk to children, I always say that when I beat my children, I will ask, do you know I'm beating you? Sometimes they will tell you the wrong reason, and I will explain the reason why I'm beating them. Because you must be able to justify that the reason is they are not sparing the rod. You don't just, I mean, I see women in parishes that are pastors. I say to women, when you beat your children in church, you are failed or outside. 
That should be done at home. You use your eyes to talk to your children in public. Any woman that beats his or her child in public has failed in bringing up their children. I got to a parish and then a boy mistakenly misplaced her mother's phone because he was looking for it everywhere. They eventually found it all. She was now slapping the head and I was there. I was mad at her. And I said, woman, if you have taught this boy that telephone is not a toy, she won't do it in church. She never did it again till I left that parish. Praise God. Don't, don't, don't go and, you know, a child has made a mistake. For instance, a woman is going on the road with the child and because of their restlessness, the child pulled off the hand and crossed the road. And people are saying, ah, ha, ha. The woman will follow the child and begin to beat the child. I've stopped my beckle before. I came down and I told the woman that something is wrong with you. What does this boy know? Nothing. I don't want to kill the child because you failed in what you should do as a mother. Praise God. I have found out in raising my children that if we do what we should do, we have peace. When you are hungry, they know. They may be very small. You know, my five-year-old, some time ago, I, I think I bought some things that I preserved some for myself. And he liked that particular thing, so he devoured. So the next day, I wanted to have it. So I said, Who had everybody pointed at him? You know, he carried his face like this, he was looking at me. Fine. He was just like, he couldn't say anything, he just stood there. Because for him, he knew he had done what he should not do. Will it be right for me to now slap him again? Praise God. So that's the weight of grace. How do you train yourself not to call people stupid again? How do you train yourself not to call people foolish again? It is very convenient for every mortal to do that. Jesus called people all kinds of names. But Jesus is saying, when you do that, you will subject yourself to judgment. And it's the judgment of God. Praise the Lord. When we come to church and we say offering time, a lot of us do not know the importance of offering. Praise God. In that Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Therefore if thou bring that gift to the altar, and there, there remembrest that thy brother has ought against thee, Leave there thy gifts before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come back and offer thy gifts. New Living Translation says, If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, he said, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to the person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. If you don't do that, you are wasting your money. When you keep malice and begrudge and you give offering and you pay tithe, the church will use the money to buy bulbs and repair fans and maybe they will use it to do other things, but it will never benefit you. 
giving to God must be done with piety. Praise God. It must be done with piety. Because it has a link to divinity. When you give to God, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verse 38, Give, it shall be given to you. Press down, run it over. As you give, so shall men give unto you. So there's a connection between humanity and divinity in giving. And that's why Jesus said, when you bring it to the altar and you remember someone offended you, drop the gift, go and reconcile. Otherwise, you have wasted your resources. Praise God. I met people who said, oh, when I give tight things, become very tough. Perhaps there's someone like that in church. What you need to do is to do self-assessment of your person. That little, little things that we do that we don't count, but they stand against our prosperity. They stand against our establishment. They stand against the efficacy of the word of God. Because God is true to his word. And when there are things that are spotty, God will not respond to you as he has said in his word. And so every time, I check myself. So I give. When your giving is tainted, it becomes poisoned. Praise God. So when we say offering time, we say blessing time. It can be a costly. Oh, he said, I like that woman. You know, I told you last uh, week that a pastor friend was, uh, was saying my wife is sweet. And I shouted at him. Go and say that to your wife. Don't tell, don't tell my wife is sweet. Go, you go and tell your wife is sweet. My wife is sweet only for me. And so you don't tell other people's wives they dress well. Who may be a commentator? Face fronts. Praise God. Just leave them. Oh, you say you are looking. You, are, you see, the danger is there are some women whose husbands are not given to compliments. And those women hurt inside of them. And so they see some other men who do what their husbands don't do. And little by little, they weaken their emotions. Little by little. And that's why you see in offices, people commit adultery very cheaply. Because one funny man keeps weakening the emotions of a woman, especially when they know they are gaining access to their heart. So Jesus said, when you look at a woman lustfully to commit adultery with her. You have done it already. So whatever judgment that is said in the scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9, he said, the following people will not make it to heaven. Adulterers are there. And you have never taken anybody's wife or husband to anywhere else. It's only by looking. Job chapter 31 verse 1, Job said, I covenanted with my eyes. Why should I behold a maiden? You know, I always say that in our time, especially in Lagos, there are many careless women who take Okada. You are driving on your own, and then you see the woman on Okada, and then your eyes went to her backside. What the devil tells you to do is to do the second look. I've never fallen for it. The Bible says, let your eye look straight on. I continue driving my way. I just continue driving. The reason is, when you look the second time, an imprint is made on your heart. And there will be a replay when you are alone. Praise God. 
let your height look straight on. I just continue to drive. That is the problem of the person. Then the devil comes to does it look like what he saw? It doesn't matter to me. I'll just go on. But you know that some of you, you are not scholar researchers. But when you see something, you say, hey, what is your business? Praise God. We must put a guard over our minds and our eyes. Sometimes you are innocent and you have good conscience. But the things around us in our world keep coming around with pollution. You are watching TV on your Do you know the danger of Facebook? And I really go there now. They keep creating things that will make you fall for sin every time. When they had their reels. They put different videos. The temptation is, let me just watch one. And they have lined them up. The good one is when you are watching you, and they know how to arrange it. The good, the good, then suddenly the bad. You skip. Next time when you go to the real again, you just say, let me just see what the bad people are doing. You already polluted yourself. Praise God. That's why Jesus said, you have heard in the time of old, they said to them, thou shalt not commit adultery. But he said, now, in our own time, you cannot afford. Let's see the way Living Translations puts it. Matthew 5.27 You have heard that the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say to anyone, I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, God it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. He wasn't talking about removing the eyeballs. It's part of the things that I said. When you look once, don't look again. Just, just, just carry yourself away and clean it up. Whatever I see, psychology says that 75% of information that the brain process is from the eyes. 75%. And that's why you see people in advertising, they do things that catch the attention of the lookers. So they carry billboards when you are driving. You know, many of us have been influenced by things we see, even the things we use. For instance, the soap you use to bath. The things you have seen, the adverts. And then there is the thing in you that wants to tell you that the soap performs the magic they said. And you just believe. When I was growing up, my father was addicted to McLean. And we grew up to think that the only good toothpaste was McLean. Until I grew older. I said, he can't live in McLean now. And there was president at the time that was close up. But my father, if anybody buys anything except McLean, who use it? Except now that he's old. So whatever we buy is what he will use. When we're growing, we're just, it's McLean every time, McLean every time, McLean. I don't know where he got that from. Bicham, Bicham, Bicham is there. Uh, because he had some work, he did some work with Americans. So he likes McLean. But you see, a lot of us also are influenced by the things that we see. By the things we see in adverts, on TV, on B-boards. On things that people have, they, you know, I saw 
young people are wearing this shirt that they write all kinds of green background, they write all kinds of white, white, white thing around it. And I was wondering, because I was driving through a street and I saw at different points, different young people wearing the same shirt. So I was wondering, what came out? Somebody said, oh, it's one comedian that wears it. So they went to produce and they all wear it all over the place. They are influenced by the things that they see. So that's why Jesus said, if you to lust, you have done it. Covetousness. If you look to lust, you have done it. Or if you wish that what that person is carrying, you wish is your own. A senior friend told me uh, one time, her son, I think her first son was going to ride a common entrance, and she drove to the place with the son. While she was waiting, several other parents were coming, mainly men, were bringing their children. And in her heart, she said, can you imagine? She said, these are also men. My own husband is doing something else. And the one always carrying my children to go and do exam. Blah, blah, blah. And then he said to her, no problem. You want, to, you want men like those men who beat their wives severally every day? Who have other women that they are sleeping with apart from their wives? No problem. Your husband also will be like them. When your next child wants to write common entrance, he will bring. But I will exchange the attributes. And she said, she said to go, I'm sorry. Because you don't know. You know, sometimes you see beautiful cars. You don't know what the person driving is suffering. Oh. That guy in his head, he said, Oh, look, baby, daily. And when you say, say, Ah, that's, the, that's my dream car. You will ride it in your dream. <laughs> Praise God. It's the person that's inside the car that knows that that car is even asking God to change it. But that's what you are wishing because you can't discipline your eyes. Praise God. Another weighty matter, divorce. Verses 31 and 32. You have heard the, the, the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written certificate, I mean, a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless he has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. I've heard people say to me that, oh, even Jesus gave reason. That's why it's called weighty matter. It is very weighty. Jesus said, you know, when Moses said to them, when you find your wife commit adultery, you should issue certificate of, of, of divorce. Because men that time were very odd-tempered when they, and they were killing their women. They were killing them. Once you just catch that woman, you just kill the woman. So, to prevent them from committing murder, say, give her certificates. So, she goes her way, you go your way. But the condition, as is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, is that that man also will not marry until that woman dies. Praise God. That's why the grace that we talk about is weighty. Or weightier than the law. Do you know that in this mission to protect relationship, when a sister and a brother gets engaged and one say, I'm no longer doing, and they've been prayed into Koshi by the pastor, and one suddenly wakes up and says, I'm no longer interested. 
the person who breaks must not marry until the other person gets engaged and marry before that person will come to marriage. Are you aware? That's it. So, our young people, that's the law in our CCG. So, if you want to do shakara for a brother and say, I'm not going to interest him because you feel he's dark. I mean, I've heard that when I was a young Christian, a brother and a sister, and then the brother was interested, prayed, told the pastor, and they got them together, and the sister went to do, she was, in H, she was doing HND at the time accounting, and I think she was ahead of the brother. When the brother eventually got admission, he was for religious studies in University of Ibadan. So by the time the sister went for service, she came back and said, ah, I can't marry you. Why? He said, you are short and you are dark. I don't want us to be giving birth to children that look like the devil. I'm telling you in reality, that's what happened. And she caught. After a while, she got married. But you see, this God, you can't offend him and move away. That sister got married. Her first child took her life. Her father died. Her twin brothers also died. Only their mother survived. The brother that was short and dark is the director of mission for the New Covenant Church in London. Till I'm talking to you. He read religious studies in UI. After he finished, he went to do uh, Master of Public Administration and from one thing led to the other. He got connected to Paul Ginodu and he was employed. That's where he is. But that sister is gone. She didn't only die, but several other people also died. Because as a covenant God had enacted in that relationship, she broke it. Praise God. It's important that we know. So Jesus said, they used to give certificates of divorce. But I say to you, when you do that, you must look at the consequence. Because life has no reward except consequence. Life has no reward except consequence. When you do well, the consequence will come. When you do bad, the consequence will come. So he says that, so if I want to just prove myself to be right, and so I have caught her. So he said, okay, just let her go. But what you have succeeded in doing is that whoever meets her to marry her is an adulterer. Praise God. And so these are some things, you know, there's someone on the mountain, there are, there are two of them, part one and two. The part one is in chapter five. In chapter six, Jesus continued. And he said several other things that we take for granted in our time. And we run our lives as if it does not matter. We will be judged from that book. Praise God. That's why it's important that every day we keep doing self-examination. Every day. Have I done it well? There was one time I just suddenly went to Ibarra. I didn't tell my parents. And my father was sitting in front of the house. So I just silently just got to him and I greeted him. He was shocked. And then he said, he just lifted his eyes up and said, and he was doing that for five minutes. So I was wondering why. He said, I didn't expect you would come. And I remember that that's the way Jesus also will appear. 
I have not sure whether I'm ready for rapture. And he was saying, and it was when he was saying it, it then occurred to me truly that's the way it will be. Do we live like it's going to be the last? Praise God. Do we live like that? Do we live with such in our hearts? So, we have reasons why we're going to say, this woman is bad. Malachi chapter 2 verse 16, God said, I ate divorce. He was talking to the Malachi doing. I mean, he was saying to them, whatever the reasons why you are doing what you are doing, because they were involved in adultery relationship, and they were doing all kinds of things. And God had to say to them, I hate it. The founder of the Redeemed Christian Church of God said, when you marry a woman, once you carry her, you don't carry her. Praise God. Once you carry her, you don't carry her. So when a man divorces his wife, he makes her a victim of adultery. When a woman also does the same thing, it's the same. Whosoever such a woman is, or that man is. And that's why it's better that it doesn't happen that will lead a life that will not plunge us into that error. And it will be better for us. The next weightier matter, verses 33 to 37, swearing and oaths. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the law. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by the head, because the head is his footstool. Do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, but for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say, yes, I will. No, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. If you count here seated, I'm sure we're not going to get up to 10 people that don't swear. Some believers have even got so indoctrinated that they remove their shoe when they want to swear. And I always ask, you know, when you go to buy things from, from people, they want to prove that what they are saying is true. So they will remove the shoes and then put, I said, what does that mean? But you have heard now that the head is the footstool of God. Heaven is the throne of God. You can't say, Ori Yaeri. He said, You cannot swear by the head because you cannot turn one air black or white. Just be straight. Yes and no. Praise God. Is it difficult? But I've seen several Christians swear. Several. Some will even touch their tongue and raise it up. What does it mean? <laughs> Praise God. If somebody crack a joke and say, if you say Yoruba man that says that niwa that once he just says that, you know the man. He wants to build around the line and he will just... And you know, if you go to buy things from a brother from the East, 
they will bring out one register and tell you, this is how much we bought it. Uh, that means they will show you say, the invoice. You know what I tell them? I say, I don't want to know how much you buy. This is how much I want to pay. And most of the time, they will sell it at the amount you want to buy. So what has happened to the amount they bought it? That one will say, it's only 100 naira I put on top of it. Oh. And then I will negotiate because I can negotiate. Oh. I, I have to go and do some study. On, in fact, I have a book on act of negotiation that I read. So when I'm going to do things with you, I'm going to negotiate. Ah, mechanics in my office, they know. Because they used to do this before I got there. Because they know control will reduce the amount. So they will inflate it. So that whatever they remove, it will just be exact. When it comes to me before I sign, I'll tell the logistic guy, say, I'm not going to sign this. Go and tell the person that it is remove a quarter of this amount before we do it. He said, hey, but control, I've seen it. I said, no, that's how much you will pay. And that's how much you will pay. And they will do it well. And when they do it bad, one month after if that thing goes bad, and they come to me, bring paper. I said, no, they just did it one month ago now. I've called them. Okay, you just speak this thing and the gospel. He said, the same thing. We will do it for free. And we've done it many times. So don't swear. Jesus said, if you have been used to it, stop doing it from today. And I know God will help you. Vengeance. Eye for an eye. That's verse 38. He said, you have heard the law that says the punishment must be matched. The punishment must match the injury. Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist any evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat to. Praise God. I told us last, was it last Tuesday, of what I learned from a neuroscientist who said from my childhood, they taught us vengeance. When the child falls and hit or eats, eats or a table or head on the table, and the mother comes and beats the table, and the child connects the beating of the table to the reducing of the pain. So the child grows up to think that when you are hot, you must hurt back. Praise God. And many of us have grown like that. And I gave example of when you spread your clothes and then rain falls and it falls to the floor and nobody helps you. And then you are at home. Another rain falls and they spread their clothes and say, yes, I won't need anu. Today we will know. And that next rain is even bad. He's not dropping it on the floor. The wind carries it and hangs it on the fence. I say, I look at it. I say, I say, mommy, X, Y, I say, help, Y, I say, help, me, or me. Praise God. You say the offense, the injury must match what you are going to give. God says, don't recompense. Don't, he says in, in Romans chapter 12, he said, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. He said, have you forgotten? Don't, don't try to defend yourself. Don't try to fight back. And that I have done many times. I just let God be to do it. And people have asked, ah, is something wrong with you? This person said this and this and this. I said, those things they said helped me. It made me to be more careful and wiser. It got me to know better. 
and then I just continue to do my thing. When I say, oh, it's not an opportunity for me, I will not do it. It was Pastor Sholu who told us that um, he was working somewhere as a contract staff, and then they wanted to hire some people, converts, people to permanent staff. And then he went to write application, and he gave it to the manager. And the manager kept it in the drawer. And when the manager was talking to his friend one day and said, that's JT, he applied for this thing. He said, that thing will rot in my drawer. And the guy said, can I go and tell him? He said, you can tell him whatever you want to go and tell him. So he said, the guy came and said, JT, what did you do to a manager? And he went to him and said, let them convert me. He said, no, that's what we'll do till, till you live here. Eventually, he left the place and got a better job. In the place he got, he was controlling 79 people. And they needed someone. That man has lost his job too. And then he was looking for a job. When the HR brought CVs of people, he was one of those they shortlisted. He said the first thing that caught to him was to mark him down. And God said no. So he wrote on the CV that HR should invite him for the last stage of the interview. And when the man showed and saw him on the panel... He froze. He said he couldn't put himself together. Then he said to him, I know you very well. You understand this subject that you are asked. Calm down and repeat, answer the question again. Eventually, they got the man. And then he started working. And he said, in that place, anytime he's coming for meeting, they must all have been waiting for him. And when he enters, they all will stand up. That guy also stood up for him. God says, vengeance is mine. It may not be five years. It may not be ten years. The payday is coming. God is the paymaster. Don't revenge. Praise God. People have done things against you. Just let it be. Because God is the one that will do it. And when he does it, he does it very beautifully. How do you expect a contract start before? That you have to now stand up when it's coming inside. Very beautiful. And that has happened to me also. When I got, I was going to get a job and a lady misbehaved and then was hostile. And I got the job. And then the day I resumed, the director sent for her and said, Wale is your direct boss now. And look at her. She was a typist. So the first set of typings she did, I said, Charity, this one is not good. Go and redo it. She will carry her face and go, who sent anybody now? They are reporting to me now. If you come late, why, why did you come late? I'm sure she'll be remembering how old she was when I was just carrying application around. Praise God. But vengeance belongs to God. Praise the Lord. The last one, love your enemies, verses 43 to 48. Jesus commanded that we must show kindness to people. While the people of the world will render good for good, we enjoyed to render good for evil. And this is the motto I say to people to use. Romans 12, 21. Romans 12, 21. It says, Do not be overcome by evil, but let your good. So every time there's a thought to do bad, always remember Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Can somebody please read it for us? Romans chapter 12, verse 21. That's why we're closing.
Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome of evil. Overcome evil with good. But overcome evil with good. Don't let evil overcome you, but turn the table. Romans 12, 21. So if there's a thought in your heart, not want to show good, just remember that your good must overcome evil. Praise God. No matter what people have done against you, just decide within yourself. I'm a child of God. I will always be good. When you don't have money and you borrow, you, you try to borrow money from people and they turn you down and now God enables you, give them. Don't even remind them how they have turned you down. Just do it. Because that's what God says that we should do. As children of light. And as we do this, I know the almighty God will be proud of us. And will pay more attention to every facet of our lives in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. So as we continue as Christian on the journey to eternity, may his grace be sufficient for us. May he carry us through. May he enable us to live according to his word. The things that are written there. Because that's what he wants us to do. And I know that as we do this, none of us will lose our reward in the mighty name of Jesus. Just one question. Yes, my friend. After bro, Mike. No, you ask your question, please. Amen. Okay. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. Okay. My brother is saying, I have been doing good, but people don't return it to me. Praise God. God does not count time like we count. You know, sometimes what God wants to bring your way is bigger than your expectation. And because of the size and your, maybe your capacity at this time, if he does it, you can mess it up. He has his own timing. And when that time comes, he makes up for all the lost time according to human calculation. So, if you are doing good, continue. And the Bible says that we should do it if we faint not, then we'll get the reward. So, he didn't say one year, five years, ten. He just said, continue for we shall get the reward if we faint not. So, I say to you, Continue to be good. Because someday, the payday will come. Bro, Mike. Praise God. Hallelujah. My question goes though. When Jesus said, when we bring our offering and we have grudge against our brother, we should drop it. Then go back and make reconciliation. Mm. Why didn't he ask the person, fellow, to go with the offering? Since it's not acceptable, go with the offering. And after the reconciliation, bring, come back. Praise God. Why do you give offering. The literal meaning. Offering. What does it mean? It's a sacrifice. It's something that you are doing to appease. And that's the understanding that we don't have in the modern day Christian era. Because if we read Leviticus, there are all kinds of offering. There is peace offering. There is this offering. So, what you want God to do 
determines the offering you bring. But because in church, even when our offerings are named, the first offering is called love offering. Now, when you are giving love offering, do you understand what it is that you are invoking into your life? You are invoking the love of God. And then we have different types of offering. Now, if God says that since you have issue, take your offering, it means you are rejected. But you are not rejected. That's why there is that provision for reconciliation. What you have brought. You know, we say that may God not reject the offering we have brought to him. So we say, may the Lord accept our offering and accept us. So if God says that, if Jesus has said, because you have offense or somebody offended you or you have offended someone, go and reconcile and take your offering. It means you are rejected. And that process of coming back to be accepted is longer. So there's a definition. I don't have issue with you and what you have brought. Because you have brought an offering like Abel did. But that's a problem that may prevent that from being accepted by God. And God is saying, go and sort that matter. So that, you know, that's why we say that I may be living very well. And then because of one thing somebody had done to me, that can prevent me from making heaven. I'm not committing sin of any kind. But somebody, for whatever reason, you know, I said on Tuesday that I was going to come to church and somebody spit inside my car. And I want the glass down. And it wasn't just, you know, science says that sneezing is faster than the speed of cheetah. If you know the speed of cheetah, when you sneeze, the speed is faster. This guy, he, he wasn't looking like a mad person. He was just a normal Nigerian who speaks at random. When they travel abroad, they behave. But here, they just speak anyhow. And initially, I was shocked. Next thing to be done as a natural person is to stop the car. I come down and tackle him. Oh no. I continue. The way I removed the shirt at home, I was doing the hand like. But you see, that is what this consistent running through this scripture had done for me. My normal, natural self would have packed. And I would have gone to say, is something wrong with you? That you, even there's a law in Lagos that says you not speak. But he did it and he walked away. Like nothing happened. We're just going. Like that. I looked at him till he crossed the road and he went away. Maybe he was a setup by God to try me. And watch how I will react. And I didn't fail the test. Praise God. And it was not that I, I, I had thought it would happen. It happened spontaneously. Because we were waiting for light to pass us. The man was not there when I got there. Suddenly he showed. And his speech entered me the windscreen. Ah. But I escaped. So, bro, Mike, that's what it is. Yes, our last question. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Since we should love our enemies, yeah. we should bless them. We should do all that. Good, I love that. And sincerely speaking, I always hate to participate in the prayers of fall down and die. And after all, I've not even seen anybody falling down and dying, despite all their evil deeds. Thank you. 
Where I'm going, however, is the book of Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, where the Lord God himself told Abraham, he said, whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever causes you, I will cause. So initially, when I came across that scripture, I don't usually want to pray it because I want to believe that it is not totally in tandem with Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. So, sir, I just want you to throw a little light on that, sir. Praise God. But eventually, I now love praying that Genesis 12, 3 very well. Uh Even though I still, by all means, whatever anybody does, I make all efforts to ensure I forgive and forget and even show them love. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think God is taking the proof of body away from us. Because he said, whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever causes you, he didn't say cause them. Okay? Now, in Isaiah chapter 64, no, 54, he says that those who rise up against you are condemned in judgment. Because their gathering is not of God. Now, that is the working of God that directs you to act on his behalf. When authority is delegated to you, by God himself. Remember, there are certain kings that God told. Saul was a victim of that. But God said to him, this country have done bad to me. Go there and spare nobody. But he spared them. Because he said the animals were good, their women were beautiful. And that was why he lost out. So God can delegate that authority to us to execute judgments upon the heathen. It's in the scriptures. So, when that happens, now the challenge we have is, we are not usually in tandem with the counsel of God. We are driven by ourselves, not by what God asks us to do. So, when it is God, because David said, God has trained my hand for war and my fingers for battle. So, it's the God of heaven who is the Lord of hosts. Who directs on what should be done? But in terms of doing good, Elisha did good. He gave them food, got them blinded, the Syrians that came, and then they fed them. And the king said, We've been looking for them, let's kill them. Say, No, send them back the way they have come. That is exemplifying what Jesus said. Those who hate you, love them. When you do that, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 29, he said, By doing that, you are putting upon them heaps of coal. So, I will say to us, because, you know, we also, church members and church pastors, are reason why we pray such prayers of fall and, and die. We even tell demons to fall and die. Demons cannot fall because they are spirits. They operate in the air. So, I think the understanding that we have is what distinguishes us. But sometimes, we can execute judgment upon the wicked if we are so directed by God. Praise God. Shall we rise tonight? Just one prayer before the Kiyamijimiju will take over. I mean, will take over. I'd like us to pray for grace to follow. Give me grace to follow. Abundant grace to follow. Give me grace to follow. 
Your grace is enough for me. Give me grace. Grace to follow. Give me grace to follow. Your grace is enough for me. And so, our Heavenly Father, the King of Israel, the Lord of Lords, we thank you, Father, for today's message, God Almighty. The grace to follow you, the grace to do your work, God Almighty, that's what we are asking for this night. Baba, let it be our portion in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father, for today's message, for today's teaching, God Almighty. Heavenly Father, Baba, may we be able, more than ever before, to follow the instructions, to follow the teaching, to carry it out, and to, be, to make it to be part of us in our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father, for our pastor that you have used for us this night, Heavenly Father. The grace more than ever before increase in his life and all his family in Jesus' mighty name. Increase the anointing on him in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank you all. Jesus Christ's mighty name, we are prayed. Offering time. Blessing time. Brethren, uh, as part of our lesson this evening, we heard about our offering, bringing good quality, uh, offering to the Almighty God to appreciate Him for His goodness in our lives and uh, for what He has done for us. So let us uh, put our hands in our pockets, in our wallets, and bring uh, a good offering for the Lord Almighty. And as we do that, Almighty God will bless us in Jesus' mighty name. Abraham, blessings are mine. Hallelujah. Abraham, blessings are mine. I am blessed in the morning. I am blessed in the afternoon. Abraham, blessings are mine. Send me to you. Yeah.